It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's US Open Round 3 catch-up. Carlos Alcaraz dumps out Stefanos Tsitsipas. Barty and Osaka suffer shock exits. And Emma Raducanu demolishes Sara Cerebes Tormo to book her spot in Round 4. Kim, what a couple of days it has been at the US Open. Five set matches galore on the men's side. Big upsets on the women's side. It's been really, really fun as a fan to watch what has been going down the last few days because it has just been thrills, spills, excitement. And from a British perspective as well, we've, we have Dan Evans and Emma Raducanu still in the mix. It's really come alive, I felt, over over the weekend. It's been fantastic. I think Friday night especially was mm. amazing. Like the whole of Friday was one of the best days we've had at a slam in, in ages, in, yeah. in years. And it was just kind of, you know, one match to another. There were so many high quality matches, so many five setters as well. And yeah, it was just like, what were the crowds as well, you know, going wild out in New York? It was just fantastic. I genuinely think the the last couple of days have been the best couple of days of slam tennis this year no doubt i think the us open is making a you know is mate is, is probably on the front line i reckon in terms of i would say it's been the best slam so far this season given the the quality matches we've had given we're seeing these quality matches early on in the competition because i think a criticism of the you know the singles events in the slams you know this year just remember particularly at Wimbledon for example on the men's side it felt it felt very processional and it felt very like we were just sort of waiting to the kind of quarterfinal stage but here in the US Open we have had some fantastic matches some fantastic upsets and we have not been able to just sort of assume the big seeds will get through and we have had some really really thrilling performances. Yeah, and we should just say, like, we were, um, you know, we're, we're kind of catching up on round three and a, a little bit of round four already um, today. So we kind of, I feel like Friday night feels like it was a long time ago now <laughs> while we're recording. But, you know, I, so I think much to has me, happened since. Exactly. I mean, my, my main overriding memory is that Carlos Alcaraz performance because that was something unexpected. I thought, you know, he was going to do reasonably well, but I thought Sits Pass would kind of outclass him really I th- he got bageled in the fourth net kim who comes back from a bagel and, and wins it in five well sometimes you do see that because you sort of conserve energy in the fourth and you're sort of ready to, to just focus on the fifth but i mean what what a start to that match though firstly for, for alcaraz you know he was a set and a breakup but you know not just a setup he was like four love up um and just absolutely dominant initially when the match kicked off and it was. I, I was just so impressed with what I saw. I, I did not expect to see Alcaraz on a hard court, especially performing mm. at that level. Um, and obviously, the crowd were still pretty anti Sitspass. So I think that you know they were they were they cottoned on to Alcaraz quite quickly and thought, yeah, you know, he's the man for them. And um, you know, I thought Alcaraz did so so well not to let the disappointment of being a set and a break up, then losing the second set, you know, to get to him. Because I think with a lot of players, we would have just seen them kind of disappointingly crumble after that point. And he just remained right there. And I mean, I was just, I really am so impressed. I've kind of a bit lost for words, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, I mean, it was really, really great. It was a really great start, particularly from him. I think he caught Sissipas a bit cold in terms of the level he was, he was bringing to the court. And I think Sissipas was probably thinking, you know, when, when is this guy's level going to drop? And, you know, it, it did, uh, you know, in the middle of that, that second set when Sissipas was able to kind of claw it back, but it was a real seesaw match and it really ebbed and flowed. And you did feel that when it, it kind of got to that fifth set after 
you know, particularly I think after that bagel, I was sort of thinking Alcaraz has given a good account of himself, but Sissipas is going to come through this and show that, you know, he's the real deal. But it it wasn't the case. And I think that fifth set was really fascinating in the sense that, you know, watch, watching it live on a Friday night, yes, the, the fans were absolutely in raptures, uh, particularly for, for Alcaraz. But I really think that, you know, after the match, he was talking about the fact that, you know, he didn't think that victory was possible without the fans. And you look at that fifth set and you look at the the inroads I felt that Sissipas was making on the, the Alcaraz serve. He was sort of getting, you know, starting at love 15, getting to love 30. But Alcaraz was just finding a new, I think he was he just found a new level within him in that fifth set that maybe even surprised himself. It certainly surprised me seeing all those double-handed backhand winners, you know, down the line, cross court, whatever. It was really, really special stuff. And, you know, we've, we've seen him, we've seen him live. We saw him at, at Wimbledon on one of the, the outside courts. And, you know, I, I remember telling you that I, I still thought, felt that he just plays every court, every court surface like a, a clay court. And that maybe inhibits him a little bit. And maybe he's a little bit reliant on just a big, you know, big serve and a big forehand. But to see him, him come out and, and particularly with his double handed backhand, do what he did against one of the, you know, the form players, whether you like him or not, uh, this season was really, really captivating. It, I think it captivated everyone sort of watching on TV. And I certainly think it captivated everyone in the crowd. The use of his drop shot as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really good effect. Like he pulled them off. I, you know, sometimes you see players try that and it just doesn't really work out. But every time I was tuning into his match and he was doing that, it was coming off and it was working to great effect. And like he, you know, kind of, you could, you could tell that, yeah, he, he isn't just sort of a, your typical clay quarter, like slugging it out from the baseline. Like he does have a lot more to his game. And I just think. I mean, he's obviously been very well looked after by Juan Carlos Ferrero. They seem to have a very good bond. And, you know, I think he's got such a good team behind him in his corner. And I know a lot of hype has been made around Alcaraz. And it's very easy to get carried away with the hype. And I, I just don't think I'd expected to see that level so early. But, I, you know, he's he has got a winnable next round like against Peter Gozowicz. But... You know, I don't really know what to expect because he did seem a little bit like he might have a slight um, injury or something, you know, some movement issues, perhaps. Um, so whatever kind of happens, I just think this match as a standalone match was really, you know, fantastic. And Sitsapas probably will be kicking himself slightly, though, um, to, you know, to, to kind of not quite, especially in that fifth set, to not be able to get a break um, and then to just kind of succumb in, in that last set tie break. Yes, it was close, but... I mean, maybe if the crowd had been a bit more pro Stefanos, but you know, <laughs> it, I guess it came back to bite him in the bum, all, all those bathroom breaks. Definitely. And I think particularly Sissipas, I think he will be ruining not getting a break of serve in that fifth set because he was make he was making inroads, but he just was maybe a little bit little bit too passive and maybe you need a little bit more ag- aggression to break the Alcaraz serve because I think he, he only needed one break. You know, Alcaraz wasn't really getting close to him on the sister pass serve i think he was i think you know sort of thinking I, if i can take this to a tie break then my odds of winning this match will increase to 50 50 because it felt all the way up until that tie break that that sister pass could have broken his serve really in any of alcaraz's service games but it didn't happen and again i think that's massive credit to, to alcaraz in the way that he you know was i playing just really inspired tennis and every moment that you thought oh this might be going sister pass's way he was just he was just coming back and, you know, it will be, you know, you said he's going to be going from one of the best players in the world to a very, a very surprising matchup, I think, for, uh, you know, a fourth round in, in Peter Godjevic, who, you know, I don't think a lot of players or a lot of fans even would have expected him to get there. And it'll be interesting to see how he manages that step change. There's going to be a lot of buzz about him. And obviously you don't want it to feel like a, a come down from such a, you know, such a peak that he's had with this match. But hopefully he will come out with kind of full fitness and all guns blazing. But yeah, there might be a, I think he will try and want to get that match done in straight sets if he can, because yeah, fitness, fitness might be an issue after such a, you know, such a grueling match, which was what, over four hours. And as, as you said, it felt like his, his movement was a little bit hindered, particularly on serving that fifth set. 
Yeah, and just the emotional kind of, you know, turmoil of it all. It's 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 a new experience, isn't it? And you know, he is breaking kind of new territory and I I just yeah, it's um I guess a lot of people are kind of, you know, have those comparisons with with a young Rafa, you know, and I certainly I guess for a lot of Rafa fans, maybe Carlos Alcaraz will be is the most obvious person to kind of get behind, especially if, you know, Rafa's going to you know, probably retire in the next few years. So I think he's more like Novak, Jim. I mean, maybe it's just his double. Maybe I'm just singing his praises of his double-handed backhand and the fact that he's got his head is more. His hair is definitely more Novak than Rafa. Yeah, but. his hair is more Novak. But um, you know, I would say he's got Rafa's kind of build. You know, his arms mm. and like, yeah. Anyway, we won't go into <laughs> into details. Maybe he's a hybrid. Maybe that would be the ultimate. Maybe he's the ultimate yeah. a hybrid of the two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant match. But we also Joel had uh lots of other exciting matches on Friday, um, including the Francis TFO Andre Rublev five-setter, which ended very, very late, uh, actually on Saturday morning, ended at 2.14 in the morning. Um, so I think that's the fifth latest ever finish in US Open history. Um, and yeah, Francis TFO using the crowd to good effect to come through uh, 6-1 in that fifth set. Uh, so quite convincing in the end, uh, despite having dropped that fourth set. You know, you would have thought that Rublev might have kind of gained a bit of momentum, but Francis TFO was very um, good at kind of nipping that in the bud and just getting it done very comfortably in that fifth set. A TFO from last season, I mean, even, yeah, as recent as last season, and I said would have would have lost that fifth set. You know, I think he would have got down in the dumps after that, that fourth set and he, he would have fallen, you know, rather easily, I think, in the fifth. But yeah, the the newfound confidence I think he has. You know, we I think we we know he's a bit of a showman on court. We see that I think in his performances. He's a very likable character, and he is in that I think category of players like uh, you know a Gail Monfils. And there is always going to be that sort of I think balance or debate between you know being a showman but also being a you know being a competitive and and serious sort of player but uh, i think with this match he shows that he does have that that capability and that that talent that i think we've known has has been there but when he really puts his mind to it he can he c- it can take him places and you know to take out rublev uh you know the fifth seed at the us open 6-1 as well in that fifth set he he broke him in that fifth set you know he fought fire with fire it was aggression versus aggression and rublev uh you know for you know, Rublev, uh, surprisingly, just did not have enough in the tank or, or TFO had more. So I think that was very, very impressive from him. And I think going forward, I don't know if we're going to see a, yeah, maybe a bit more of a, a serious TFO or, or a player who, you, who just knows and is more alert, I think, to, you know, the moments where he needs to really focus. And yes, he can play the flash shots maybe a little bit like Gail Monfils and have that charisma that is, is very natural, I think, to him that sort of connects him with the crowd. But I think these matches show that he's got that that capacity to, um, yeah, to kind of have that mental, positive mental attitude that can really mean that he can um, get these victories against the the top guys on the tour. Yeah, it's about, about consistency as well, isn't it, TFO? We know he's had brilliant performances but it just seems a bit up and down and it would be really nice to see him kind of put together these performances more often like at Wimbledon he beat Sissipas in in straight sets and then I think he went and lost his his next match is it's definitely mm. a question yeah with him around consistency but the fact that you know he's done it over week one at, at the US Open is perhaps is a sign that you know he's turned a corner on that front and actually we're, we're maybe seeing a more consistent TFO um, over the season. Yeah, he's got FAA next as well. And I certainly think that that could go either way, but I would perhaps actually give TFO the edge, especially with the home crowd, Mm. you know, like getting behind him. I'm, I'm sure they, you know, it, it, I, I think it does, yeah, genuinely, it does help it, him doesn't it absolutely yeah and especially you know compared to last year where there was zero fans at the US Open and we know it's such a it's such a venue and a place that like really feeds off the the fans coming in and we know how sort of boisterous they can be here and I think you know that's really kind of coming to the fore that this year especially um but you know that FAA match like we just you know they've they kind of got a matchup in the next round but FAA himself came through in a five setter against uh, RBA so that was um 6-3 in the fifth for FAA um that was very sort of you know 6-3 and 4 every set scoreline mm. in in that one but it was um 
you know, Felix came out on top in the end. And this one, I think, you know, I if there is ever a match that kind of has five sets written all over, I thought this was kind of one of them. <laughs> this was this was a very you felt going into it was a very even matchup that was gonna come down to one set that was gonna decide it. Um but again, another good victory, I think, for Felix Auger Aliassime, because he's a player who again, I think a little bit like Tiafo, he lacks he lacks that consistency. We we know the talent is there. But we're sort of still waiting. We were still waiting for that moment. And in terms of Canadian tennis, uh, you know, it's happened at the US Open before, for for example, Bianca Andreescu. Um, and it's happened for the Canadian men this season with uh, Shapovalov at, at Wimbledon. So maybe he's looking to those those uh, those examples to be like, well, hang on. Uh, is this US Open 2021 US Open? Is it is it this chance uh, for him to break out? Because you certainly feel the way you know, he is playing that it, it could potentially be and you know with a matchup like against TFO again you feel it's quite it's quite even and it could it could go either way which is great as a fan you know it seems fairly balanced it seems fairly even like that's much more entertaining to watch than Djokovic just kind of annihilating someone you know as however great Djokovic is I think there's so many guys in the field that we want to see breakthrough and we want to see have like a run to you know the semis or perhaps a surprise finalist but there's just not enough room for everyone is there I mean I'd love both TFO and FAA to win you know out of them their matchup and it's you know it, it it's just you kind of want you want them both to do well but like obviously it's sport there has to be only one winner um so well we will see but I mean Dan Evans Joel as well we should you know, we can't forget the Friday night drama for Dan Evans. You know, from a British perspective, this was kind of going on at the same time as the Alcaraz match that we were kind of, you know, flicking between. And Dan Evans found himself two sets down to Alexi Popperin. Um, you know, it was 6-4, 6-3 to Alexi Popperin. And Dan Evans had been a breakup uh, initially as well um, in that first set. He was quite disappointing. Really well. Yeah, and then he sort of, you know, suddenly two sets down. It was like, oh, is this going to be it? Yeah, I was this close to turning off the TV. <laughs> I was, just, I was <laughs> like, I can't, I, you know, I felt this was a very presentable opportunity for Evans. And, you know, I was actually quite impressed with Popperin in those first two sets. I don't think, I think Dan Evans was maybe a, a tad slow, but certainly Popperin with his massive serve and his massive ground strokes as well was was good money, I think, for his his two set lead but it, it it did feel like a match and 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 you know i'm not have been uh you know following popper in for, for for you know for so long but you know it's quite clear to see for his game it relies on it relies on that big serve and it felt that once evans was able to kind of get a read on it um he was coming more and more into the match and it was it was great to see him come back and fight really from from two sets down to win that in five in a in a tie break at the end it was again another impressive victory yeah I mean that tie break was just very one-sided Dan Evans yeah. looked absolutely brilliant and I think he wanted you know, it more I think he wanted yeah. it more quite honestly yeah um, it was a very proficient performance at the very end and like Dan Evans actually you know he only hit something ridiculous like eight unforced errors the whole match you know his he was actually playing very very well, generally, like, and I mean, obviously, it was it was it was close. Went to that last set tie break, but he really did look at the end like the much stronger player. And like you said, I just think he had a bit more, just the heart behind. It. And he's had a difficult, um, difficult summer what, with COVID and everything. And for him to get through to equal his best ever Grand Slam showing, you know, he reached the fourth round a couple of years ago at the Australian Open. But like that was before I think he went on. Was that, would that be, that would have been before he went on his ban as well? You know, it was sort mm, of almost yeah. like a different person back then. We've spoken before, I think we were speaking before this about Evans and, you know, he, he does love playing the US Open. You know, there were, I think there will be some people, in fact, who probably will say that this is his best chance, not, not Wimbledon, but the, US Open is his best chance of of going deepest because there is something about the courts here that um you know he he really acclimatizes to very well and again in this match he just you know he just wanted he just wanted it that a little bit more than Popper in and I do wonder given the I think the setbacks that he has had since you know Wimbledon with COVID and you know it affecting his his run up I think that was maybe what gave him that little bit of extra fight in him that. I think with with Popperin, you, know, you could tell with his body language on on court, he was just getting a bit 
you know, he's getting a bit kind of fatigued and he was leaning a little bit negative. And it, honestly, well, I had a very good feeling when it went into that tie break. I was actually kind of glad it, it, it did go to a match tie break and we weren't waiting to get to 12 or, or whatever in, in another, in another, uh, a grand slam. But, um, yeah, it was a very, once it got to there, I, I had a good feeling that with Evans and yeah, he looked, to be honest, the fresher player by, by the end of it. Absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, Joel, as we're recording now, you know, he's got his fourth round match against Daniel Medvedev. Not an easy match at no. all. And um, <laughs> he's two sets down, 6-3, 6-4. So I, which I think was pretty much what I expected. I said, oh, that's just going to be like straight sets, three and four, isn't it? I, I remember we messaged the morning saying Dan Evans has now won his right to to lose to Daniel Medvedev in, in straight sets in the next round. And it yeah. looks like the pro- it looks like the prophecy is coming true. Unless he can pull off another comeback from two sets down. <laughs> Does lightning strike twice? I mean, Daniel Medvedev is, you know, from his section of the draw, he is Steam looking rolling. like the hot favourite to get through to the final. He's come through very, very comfortably so far. You know, his previous round was against Andy Har. And, you know, if we look at his section of the draw, he's got, um, you know, Bottich van der Zanschulp, um, where it's looking like it's going to be Bottich van der Zanschulp, who's three love up in the fifth set against Diego Schwartzman. Um, so it, it's, you know, I don't really see people in his section. Um, anyone's going to stop Medvedev really getting through to the final. Especially now that, that Sissipas is Sitspas, out. Sissipas, yeah. And Rublev. Yeah, exactly. You sort of think this was a big day, um, you know, for Medvedev mm. and his chances. And the fact that he has been so uh, clinical with his victories so far, you know, he's not been, ha- you know, he's not had to expend a lot of energy to get, to get to this stage of the competition. He is going to be very fresh. And I think he will, uh, arguably, he might, you know, if he gets to the final, he should be fresher than potentially a, a Djokovic who will maybe have had to come through a, a Zverev, um, you know, in, in the semi-final potentially. Um, so it all seems that everything is, is, is kind of folding into place for, for Medvedev at the moment, but his tennis also is just, it's just very, very good. And yes, maybe some of his opponents are a bit lower ranked than him, but he is definitely having, you know, he's definitely just steamrolling them and, and putting them to the sword. Yeah, although I do think he, it would be more beneficial to a, a competitive final if he could have some sort of uh, challenge b- b- mm. beforehand because, you know, he might come into the final and then just, yeah. you know, against Djokovic. I just can see the Australian Open final happening again from this year, which was quite disappointing. Um, and Medvedev really kind of went, went, you know, just lost the plot a bit. Yep. So yep. I don't want to see that again. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. It does seem like he's the, the hot favourite, but yeah. Um, let's have a look at what happened in the women's uh, game though, Joel, because we've had quite a few shocks over the last two days, especially on the side of the top seeds because, um, you know, up the first two rounds, none of the top 20 seeds have gone out. We had like pretty much the top 20 here. Um, I know Jennifer Brady had, had pulled out of with injury, but the, the, we hadn't seen any of the top, top seeds like falling out in, you know, in the first round or what have you. But uh, obviously round three has changed all that because we've now lost Osaka. We've also lost Barty. Um, I mean, let's start with the Osaka match because she was up against Layla Annie Fernandez, the young Canadian. And I mean, she lost in three sets, uh, five, seven, seven, six, six, four, it was to Fernandez. And, you know, Asaka, very close. You know, she, she just won that second set tie break. She would have, you know, edged it. Um, this is a match on paper that really Asaka should have won, uh, quite easily, I suppose. Um, but she just wasn't, wasn't at the races, really. Um, it was, it was a another sort of disappointing performance in, in a way. She she hasn't she hasn't won many matches at all. Like in the last, you know, she hasn't been able to kind of win more than I think what one match consecutively since whenever. Um, it's been you know she's obviously her troubles are still continuing. She's not where she wants to be, and she's going to be taking a bit more of a break from tennis. I think after this. Yeah, and and from a performance point of view, there is a question mark there 
about her against left-handed players, which quite a few people have, have picked up on social media. Um, you know, she lost to Leila Annie Fernandez, who's, who's left-handed. She also lost to, uh, Jill Teichman as well, who's a, a left-handed player. And, uh, she lost someone else recently also who was left-handed. Can't, name escapes me, but she does seem to have a problem with left-handed players at the moment. And, uh, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a thing. If she, you know, if she is coming back to the court that she will need to sort of look at, look at maybe a little bit more tactically obviously the the serve is the you know the one of the bigger advantages I think as a, as a lefty that you have particularly on that ad side you can go out wide and I think really you know pin down the you know the Osaka backhand which is arguably a little bit weaker than her forehand and I certainly think that helped uh, Leila Annie Fernandez in this match because you know, I I get that she's a very good prospect, uh, particularly for for Canadian tennis. Um, I still, you know, I, I've you know I've seen a few matches of her. I'm still not really sure what her sort of biggest weapons are. And you know, the, I think being left-handed does help her. But that was one of the reasons I was sort of surprised that we had this, you know, this this loss uh, by Osaka because I thought this could have been quite a routine straight sets victory but I mean Fernandez what she is I think known for is her self-belief and her tenacity and her grit on court which certainly there were moments where I think it were quite precarious for her you know Osaka was you know she could have she could have got this match done um you know in, in two sets but I think credit to kind of Fernandez's belief there that she was eight you know she thought that she could win this and she proved you know she proved herself right she proved her team right and it was very, very impressive. And I think, you know, we're talking a lot about Osaka and her mindset and, you know, that being it, that being not in the right place. And I, I still think there are questions about whether she had, had rushed back in order to, you know, play the US Open and, and defend her title. And I, to be honest, I think this loss to me says she did, she did rush back. But at the same time, for Fernandez to go out there and you know with the you know capacity crowd night session arthur ash and all of the you know all of the 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 noise and the the news and the media following osaka to put that to one side and execute your game um and win against who one undoubtedly one of the you know the best women's uh, players was was very very good and <laughs> much like carlos alcaraz another 18 year old just just showing their talents and how good they are um, on the biggest on the biggest stages, one on one of the biggest stages of them all. Yeah, and I mean, I know what you mean about Fernandez. Like, she can pull off a big win like this, but mm. I don't see her as someone who would storm to win the whole tournament. No. Like, I don't feel convinced enough. You know, I don't see her like I don't feel like. I mean, I'm, I would love to see if she could prove me wrong, but I don't foresee her being a potential world number one. Uh, you know, in the women's mm. game in the future, you know, in the in the aftermath aftermath of the Carlos Alcaraz match, Yevgeny Kavelnikov on Twitter said, well, quite boldly, I think he said uh, he thinks Alcaraz could be world number one within three years. Now, I think Fernandez can go higher up the rankings, no doubt, but I, I'm yet to see a level of tennis, I think, in her that makes me think, yep, yeah, she could be, she could be top five, for for example. Yeah, I mean, let's just touch on Osaka as well because she said she will gonna. It's gonna take another break from tennis. She doesn't know when she will next play. She just says at the moment, if she does win matches, she doesn't even feel happy about it. She just feel feels relief, and then obviously when she loses, she she feels very down. So I think obviously she she's gonna need to take take more time um, with her you know, her mental health to to sort it out and. Hopefully, like we wish her all the best. I hopefully she'll be able to get the help that she needs. And I do, I do think she probably came back a bit too soon. But I guess obviously with the Olympics, you know, you, she didn't want to miss that. It's it's her home Olympics, and um, yeah, she obviously was very courageous. I think coming back, you know, to do that, and she had that amazing moment lighting the Olympic flame. And I hope she was able to still enjoy like that moment despite everything else that's kind of going on. I mean, let's just do some some crystal ball gazing. I mean, in terms of Osaka, do you see this as a she's going to take the rest of the season off or or longer or because it's it, it feels very um, it's really hard to know at the moment. And you know the the most extreme, I guess, perspective you could have on it is that you know if she doesn't she doesn't feel right, and you know if if she 
you know these victories are feeling very hollow and they don't you know feel more relief than sort of excitement and joy you know is there an argument that you know maybe she should be looking at doing a like a proper break in terms of retirement because I know that might sound absolutely crazy but you know we've 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 had players in the past you know we've we've heard their stories and their their comebacks and certainly the the expectation of winning is is something that has affected other players to a point that has pushed them to just dropping their racket for 18 months or or longer um now I'm not saying that might be the the same case for Naomi Osaka but it certainly it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's necessarily off the table at the moment because it still feels like there's quite a lot of you know negativity there and it just doesn't it doesn't know I'm not really sure how this is going to I'm still not really sure how this is going to play out yeah, I suppose we we see players taking a good chunk of time off with, with a sort of you know physical injury. So why shouldn't it be any different with a, a you know a mental health issue? Because like if you need to get the help and the treatment, and if you're not ready to return and you're not sort of fit enough, whether it it's like your mental health or, or not, it's um I think the most obvious thing would be to like you know to take the rest of the year off, see where you're at, maybe do come back for the AO, but. I feel like maybe, yeah, maybe she, you know, coming back for that, there's still going to be a lot of hype. She'll be the defending champion. So it's maybe she'll be longer than that. But because there's an argument to say that if she said I'm retiring, that could that would be the biggest way, I think, to take a lot of, you know, the media and the pressure, you know, take her off the tour. Not much kind of noise about her. Just live a, you know, live a peace, you know, live a peaceful life for 18 months or whatever. And then you know, maybe prepare, you know, do do it that way as opposed to arguably maybe stringing people, not necessarily stringing people along, but being in a situation where we're just sort of continue, we're just going to be continually talking about it, I feel, until she does come back. So that, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I've watched this space. We will see any <laughs> soccer related news. <laughs> we'll um, be on the lookout for it. I mean, let's just have a look at other matches from the women's draw because that Friday we had a lot of fantastic quality matches, like really close three setters. Um, some not so close three setters, but we had a lot of three setters with, you know, w- worthy of grand slam finals with, uh, you know, former slam champions involved. So we had the Muguruza versus Azarenka match. Um, and that, that kind of, I guess, was as expected. I did think it would go three, but in the end, Muguruza was a bit more consistent, came, came through 6-2 in that third set, um, which is, you know, Muguruza, this is by far like her worst slam. This is only the second time she's actually reached this stage. And Azarenka, you know, former finalist last year's finalist. So, you know, both of last year's finalists are now, now out in the third round. And I think Muguruza was just that little bit more consistent, less unforced errors, um, Azarenka kind of her serve went a bit off the ball, especially at the end um, of the match. And I don't know how far Muguruza is going to go, but she's managed to kind of mm. impress in what she's done so far for me. Yeah, d- yeah, definitely. I think um, it was a it was a difficult victory. Um, you know, both players have their own fan bases and support, and it was quite seesaw. Uh, I think Azarenka will be disappointed. It just feels like every time. She goes to a Grand Slam. She gives a good account of herself before losing in a, a three-set battle with someone. Uh, I was there front and centre for it at Wimbledon when she lost to uh, Serana Castella. And this was, a, I think, a sim- it was a similar sort of scoreline. So, yeah, a bit disappointing there, I think, for Azarenka. But certainly Muguruza will be, you know, confident, I think, going forward, given the, you know, given the draw she's had. It's not been, a, you know, it's not been an easy one. Absolutely. Um, and let's look also at the other sort of close match that we had, which was Simona Halep against Elena Rabakina. And that was, that was, I mean, that had an epic first set tie break. Mm. It was, um, I think 13 11, uh, to Halep in that first set tie break. I think it was around like 20 minutes just for that tie break alone. Um, and then yeah, Halep won through in the, in the end, 6 3 in that third set. So that was an absolute like fantastic victory. I think, they match when they played last year in the Dubai final was also um, a right epic. So we, we kind of were expecting it and it did kind of live up, um, live up to that. But I mean, unfortunately, since then, Joel, Halep has played Svitolina and lost in straight sets. So, you know, this was a fantastic match, but I do think perhaps like the length of this match, um, what it took out of her, she's still struggling with some sort of issue with her leg. So 
you know, fan- as fantastic as the third round match, you know, with Rebecca was, I think Cicilline today was a bit more consistent and, um, you know, Halep has had a good run here, but I, again, with Halep, I don't know if she's going to need a, a bit more time off before trying to come back for longer onto the tour. So we may not see her for the rest of the year, depending on how conservative she wants to play it. I think it'll be interesting to see because we, we don't really know what's happening with the, the WTA Tour finals at the moment. I think we're sort of expecting it to go to go ahead, but we're not quite sure where it's going to be. And obviously we've got Indian Wells um, you know, coming up, I think, at the start of, of November. So there's certainly some few big tournaments coming up. And I think Halep will want to make sure she is is there for the, the WTA Tour finals. She's, she's such a likeable personality on the tour. And I think particularly on the WTA side, we need big personalities. And I think she's certainly one of them. I mean, Svitolina, just just talking on that, <laughs> just sort of cheating a, our round three catch-up and going to round four. I mean, that was very impressive from her to come through 6-3, 6-3. I think she's playing very, very well at the moment. I not would not be surprised if we see her, you know, she's not dropped a set. Yeah, through to the quarterfinals. I would not be surprised if we see her reach her first slam final because of the, you know, the way she's playing at the moment. She's had a bit of an up and down season, a few meh sort of results, but she's really bringing it together at, at the US Open. I'm loving the use of the word meh. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean though. It, like, it, it, she did win Chicago though. So she's coming mm. in obviously with her bronze medal from the Olympics, Chicago champion and you know, they've had tight matches her and Halep in the past. And I was a bit surprised that this was just straight sets. But I know what you mean. Svislina, very consistent. She does seem like a good candidate for her maiden slam final. Um, but Angelique Kerber may have something to say about that. Who, I mean, Kerber came through against Stevens in that third round on Friday. This was another really, really good, good battle. Kerber came from a set down. Five seven six two six three. So both, you know, former champions at this tournament. Uh, but Kerber is again one of those players, a bit like Krachikova, who's had a fantastic last few months. Has only lost a couple of matches. Um, I think Kerber, both of her matches, she's lost to Barty. Same kind of thing as as Krachikova. And um, I mean, they'll both be delighted that Barty's now out. But um, <laughs> Kerber, you know, she she's got Fernandez next. But I think you know. Kerber may have something to say about Switzerland getting to um, the stand final because Kerber was, yeah, really, really impressive. Like, I, I think I tuned in for like the last set of that match and Stevens had a, a break point um, at about kind of 3 2 in that, that, that third set. Um, Kerber managed to hold and then I think won every game after that. And I thought that was such a strong finish to the match. And when it, when push came to shove, Kerber was sort of a bit unplayable at times. And we also had more straightforward victories for Sabalenka, who was able to get it done in two sets against Danielle Collins. I thought that might be a bit closer than it actually was, but Sabalenka looking good as the second seed. We also had Elise Mertens, Mrs. Miss, Mrs. Consistent uh, at Grand Slabs, uh, defeated Ons Jabor in straights. Uh, and then, as as Kim said, Krachikova defeated lucky loser Rakimova in two sets as well. So we've got a lot of the form players still still there, despite a few despite a few upsets. Um, so yeah, it will be it will be fascinating. I mean, I think Sloan, just going back to that Stevens Kerber match, I think Stevens will be a little bit disappointed because you know going into that match, the head to head was was five one to Stevens, and there's obviously something about Kerber's game that Stevens likes to play against but for some reason it just wasn't just didn't work for her um you know didn't work for her in the match so you know i think there's there's more opportunity there but it's good i think to see sloan give her a good give a good account of herself given again she's had a, a pretty nightmare draw i think probably one of the hardest draws mm. of the, the women's players yeah if stevens can just get her ranking up again so that she's seeded and not having these nightmare draws then i think we've seen enough yeah. from her recently to suggest that she can you know be battling at the deep end of slams again with with her you know performances and I know that obviously that was a high profile match and I think she shared something on social media kind of like the day after you know about all of the abuse and the hate that she was getting you know for having lost that match mm. and I mean that was just awful to see um oh, dreadful it's just like beg you know beggars belief really what you know people in the public eye are going going through in this sort of awful um abuse that they had just thrown at it's just yeah but I thought um yeah she was obviously pointing that out um in in the light of of her loss and um hopefully she's you know all all right because it's obviously not nice to have all of that criticism 
totally unjustified criticism thrown at you. Um, but let's let's take a quick break now, Joel. Um, do join us, everyone, in the second half. We'll be looking back at all the results from yesterday, day six. Uh, so do not go anywhere. This is The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to looking at Saturday's action, which, as we mentioned, uh, we did see uh, one of the biggest upsets, and that was Ash Barty losing, falling by the wayside. She was our pick for the tournament, uh, but she (laughs) lost in a last set tie break to Shelby Rogers. 5-2 up as well. Absolute shocker, really. Barty served for the match twice. Um, Shelby Rogers... Shelby Rogers came back and, you know, with the New York crowd getting a bit fiery, um, managed to to pull it off, managed to absolutely pull it off. 7-5 in that last set tie break. And I mean, <laughs> Barty must be kind of ruining the fact that she was, you know, up and had her chances and just wasn't able to um, to get it done. And, and absolute fair play to, to Shelby Rogers for just going for it and being buoyed on by by that crowd. I think it's been the story of Ash Barty's time in New York has been not not being able to convincingly close out her matches because we've been sort of talking about this in a, a first and second round matches where it's been it's been a little bit tricky for her to to close it out and it was the same situation here and uh, you know the fact that she was you know well you'd think world number one five two up yes uh, you're playing an American uh, in front of their home crowd. But the fact that she had two bites of the cherry to, to serve it out, I think was, yeah, a bit, I think a bit disappointing. But I think at the same time, I think, you know, Ash Barty kind of reflecting on it, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't disappointed per se. You know, she's had a fantastic season so far. You know, this was just her eighth loss this season. Just shows you how well she's been playing consistently, uh, you know, throughout the year. But um, yeah, very, very good win, I think, for Shelby Rogers. And I think the what was nice about it was at the net, you could see there was a lot of there was a lot of respect there. This was a match that was played in very, very good and, and, and positive in a good and positive environment. And um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, you know camaraderie there. And that was, I think that was very, very nice to see. And I think Barty just was, you know, she just accepted. Yeah. Shelby Rogers brought it at the, you know, the big moments. She uh, really took it to me, uh, you know, when I was trying to serve out the match and and elevated her game. And I think what was so nice and great about Barty, you know, given that she is the world number one, given that she is an, you know, one of the leading lights and ambassador for the for the sport. She, you know, she's just very Barty esque about it. She's just very like, you know, that was just too good. And you know, I can I can appreciate and I can applaud that because. Yeah, Shelby Rogers just put on a, an awesome display to win that that third set tiebreak. Yes, and Shelby Rogers last year, I think, had that really good match against Kvitova and got, you know, reached the quarterfinal. So, you know, it has obviously got form and, and history mm. to some extent at, at this event. And that, that was obviously without a crowd last year. So, um, yeah, not surprising, I guess, it, it, to some extent. And I think Barty will absolutely, you know, deal with it. In a, in a Barty fashion, um, but with Barty out, you know, the, this half of of the draw has really opened up for someone, and potentially for you know British fans, that that someone could possibly, hopefully, perhaps be Emma Raducanu because she was up against Sara Cerebos Tormo yesterday. We all kind of thought this was going to be quite a tough battle. You know, Cerebos Tormo seems to always be involved in three setters, and you know, she's a really really gritty opponent, but. Raducanu was having absolutely none of that. It was completely one-sided. Six love, six one. I mean, were we expecting that scoreline, Joel? <laughs> I, I, my WhatsApp was going was had caught fire when this match was going on. <laughs> I just couldn't believe what was happening. I had to watch. A, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was out last night, but I watched a replay of the match this morning, and it was it was just awesome. Uh, to see that sort of tennis from Raducanu at 18 years old on her, you know, debut uh, in the main draw at the US Open was just, it was just epic. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, the conversation, a lot of the chat was about the fact that, you know, Raducanu and her, her weight of shot, I think, you know, the commentators are sort of pointing towards was something that, that Cerebes Tormo just could not deal, deal with from the first point. And, and I think, you know, we, we were talking about in our last podcast, you know, we didn't, we didn't want this match to be a bit of a brawler, be a bit of a street fight, because if that did happen, 
then you you think it would have favoured Cerebes Tormo. But the fact that Radicani just went out there, played a game, and Cerebes Tormo just not able to handle it. You know, she was just she was just putting up these sort of floaty, forehandy, top spin shots that you know do confuse a lot of people. You know, she's had a very good season this season, but for Radicani, it just. <laughs> It, the ball just sort of landed in her sweet spot. And whether that was on the forehand side or the backhand side, she was just able to to put it away, put it away um, more consistent, more often than not. And Kim, the, the only thing I'm angry about is the fact that it wasn't a double bagel because it was, it was very, very close. Um, and at a few points, it did look like it was going to be. Yeah, she could, you know, open her own bakery, at least, you know, <laughs> bagel and a breadstick. It wasn't, you know, two bagels, but it was just brilliant. And, you know, she's got Rogers next, which, you know, it's going to be tough, but I think it's all a bit better than having Barty. And I mean, it's, that's probably going to be obviously on, court. on a big yeah. court. Yeah. And I just hope that Emma doesn't have, you know, Flashbacks. the sort of yeah to, to the Wimbledon fourth round hopefully the fact that it's not in the UK and you know in a way that the focus is going to be on Rogers as, as an American as well you know home crowd so hopefully that will actually help Emma but I I mean I really don't know what to expect but it's going to be you know her toughest test yet obviously just just quickly on that I think what is interesting is that yes there will she will need to have a game plan ready for for Shelby Rogers but I think she will also need to be ready for that crowd and that show court because she's been playing all her matches on the outside courts and you know the fans are sort of probably casual fans just walking about and they want to hear you know they've probably heard Radicanu and just want to see what it's about and you know the crowd are absolutely loving it you know I think British fans at home are, are loving it as well but it's going to be a completely different kettle of fish I think when you're going to come up against Shelby Rogers probably on Arthur Ashe in front of a obeying a United States crowd, uh, you know, it's going to be a completely different story and a completely different world away. I think from, you know, Wimbledon on a show court, it's going to be the complete opposite. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating, I think, to see how she handles that. And if she can handle that, I think, you know, I, th- I think she has the tennis. Uh, she can put out the display she put out against Cerebus Tormo against Rogers. I think, I think we could whisper it, Kim. I think we could see a, uh, a British quarterfinalist in the uh, in the singles ladies event. I mean, regardless, she's got to the fourth round of her first two slams, which only you know I think a select kind of group of players have have done that. You know, the likes of Sellers and and what have you. And it's just like mm. that is we don't have that very often, do we? No. Especially not for a British person. So <laughs> we should be celebrating whilst we can. Um, yeah, it, it's really cool. Um, really, really cool. I mean, let's have a look at some of the other results because. We had Maria Zachary um, coming through against Kvitova in straight sets. This was quite, um, I don't know if this was an upset really. I mean, Kvitova's obviously like slightly higher ranked, but we know Zachary had a great run at the French and, you know, is, is very on her day, like fantastic. And she was, yeah, she was by far the better player against Kvitova. She was pretty dominant. Um, she, um, Kvitova had um, a, an early break, but after that, Zachary just came back and I don't think she had another break point, um, you know, against her after that point. So she was very dominant um, once she kind of got that initial break back. And we also had a couple more dominant victories, I'd say, for Bianca Andreescu against lucky loser Greet Minnen, one and two, uh, one hour and seven minutes. Andreescu is looking, yeah, like like her performances from 2019, looking very good. Um, so I think she'll be quite a dangerous, maybe unknown quantity, I think, a little bit for some of the players left in the draw. Uh, Karolina Pliskova as well came through Tom Janovic three and two uh, in an hour and 11 minutes as well. Uh, again, another very good win for the fourth seed. Uh, so another player I think will have big hopes, I think, of maybe even winning um, you know, a Grand Slam for the first time, because certainly with Ash Barty out, it's, you know, for, for a lot of the chasing pack, I think that is a, a big, a big confidence boost to their, you know, to their ambitions of, of what they can do in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Benchich is through against Pagula, Pavlachenkova through against Gracheva. So, yeah, it's... And Sviontek all... as well against... Con- Sviontek, yeah, Sviontek against Contivate. That was three sets. I'm still... I wouldn't say Svantec is my, you know, top favourite, 
but um I think she's surprised me I, th- I thought she was almost going to head out against Fiona Ferro so for her to come through um, she's done pretty well, I think. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, she's a slam champion. I don't know why I'm not saying she she could could win the US Open, but um, and actually, maybe she is probably better for her. She's just slightly under the radar as well. Um, I think that always helps. I know if I was in that position, I wouldn't want anyone talking about me. Um, but yeah, let's have a quick roundup. I guess of the men's results as well from from yesterday. Um, I I was also out for a bit last night, and I had you know some messages from people going, oh. Like, you know, what's going on? And I thought for a second that they were talking about Djokovic um, and the fact that he might be in trouble um, or that he might have lost. And I was like, oh, my oh my God, um, <laughs> massive shock. But they were just talking about him and Raducanu. Um, and I since have caught up on everything and see that, yes, OK, Djokovic lost, lost a set to Nishikori, which that on its own is actually quite shocking because I think he'd won like the last, I don't know, 18 sets or something that he'd played uh, with, with Nishikori. Um, so for Nishikori to, to get that first set was, was pretty awesome, really, for him. Um, Novak was quite out of sorts, I think, in that first set. Um, once he kind of got it together, it was obviously extremely routine for those remaining three sets. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah, his head to head record is, is very vastly superior. To, to Nishikuri, although Nishikuri does have a win against him at, at the US Open, but you you did sort of felt that when he lost that that tiebreak in the first set, you sort of thought that he'd he'd angered the the wolf or the beast or whatever in Novak Djokovic, and uh, yeah, he came through relatively comfortable in sets two, sets three, and sets four. So um, yeah, a pretty routine victory there, and another routine victory uh this time to a to a retirement uh for Sasha Zverev who came through Jack Sock and uh Jack Sock retired with a thigh injury he also took the first set um against Zverev but um yeah I think he was increasingly hampered uh by his leg which was a bit of a shame I think for the crowd because that certainly could have been you know quite quite fiery if it had gone I think deep in uh you know in a fourth or potentially a fifth but it wasn't to be and again Djokovic and Zverev are just sort of strolling through what feels what feels like at the moment inevitably to meet in the in the semi-finals. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the other sort of results, we had uh, Jensen Brooksby coming through against Aslan Karatsev. So Brooksby, I believe, is facing Djokovic next. Um, mm. You know, Brooksby is a wild card here, I think, isn't he? Yeah. And is the lowest ranked um, American player, I think, probably to reach this round um, in, in a long time. And I think the youngest American to reach this round since, I think, Roddick um, almost 20 years ago. So, you know, I was going on and on about Brandon Nakashima but I think you might have been right it was all about Jensen Brooksby and we'll see <laughs> we'll see what he could maybe do against Djokovic because but I think it, you know Brooksby really deserves this like he's had some fantastic results this year and yeah. obviously been working his socks off so um it's all pay, it's all paying off and and to think this is uh you know this is this is a wild card you know he wouldn't have really been expecting <laughs> I think at the start of the season to be you know home slam on on Arthur Ashe, probably in the night session against the the world number one. I mean, that's a fantastic learning experience. Um, I think the challenge I would I would put to him is, you know, we saw Holger Rune take a set off Djokovic in in the first round, and I think this is a similar sort of matchup in the sense that you know, classic sort of youth versus experience, and it'd be interesting to see how how Brooksby goes against Djokovic. I think he will give a good account of himself, maybe even nab a, a set like Rune. Um, but um, yeah, very, very impressive the way he came through Karatsev, who is a very, you know, he's had a, he's had a very consistent season, I'd say. Um, you know, he's had some good moments, had some okay moments. Um, but you would have thought Karatsev maybe should have come through this in, in five sets, um, you know, given the fact that he was two sets to one up. But, you know, Brooksby, yeah, he just, I think, was just using the crowd for, for inspiration and it elevated his game. And I think he would do well to, to channel that same, that same energy, I think, from the crowd when he comes up against Djokovic. Absolutely. And God, there seems to be a f- no end of fifth sets, really, in, in <laughs> uh, you know, round three, because we had Yannick Sinner coming through in five against Monfils as well. And uh, Berrettini had to, had to go through, had to, well, had to, it took him five sets to get past Ilya Avashka, um, 6-3 in, in that fifth set. So, 
um, perhaps expending a bit more energy than he would have liked, but still on for possible, you know, Wimbledon final rematch with Novak in the quarterfinal. And I think Sinner plays Zverev next as well. Um, one player who did very well at Wimbledon, who will not be featuring in the latter stages here is uh, Shapovalov because he lost in straights to Lloyd Harris. That was 6-4, I mean, perhaps not surprising. You know, we know that Harris has been playing very well. And again, there's another player who's had great results and, you know, it's it's coming to fruition here. But um, I suppose Shapovalov, I feel like after his Wimbledon breakthrough, you know, going to the semifinals, sort of really kind of, I don't know, fallen back into a bit of obscurity. Yeah. Um, sort of forgot that he was in the draw almost. <laughs> yeah, it's been um yeah, it's it's it it has felt a little bit like a, a back, maybe a backward step for for Shapovalov. Um, you know, the fact that it was straight sets as well, um, you know, very good victory for Lloyd Harris. He I've he seems, I think, to like playing left-handed players. You know, he had that win against Nadal and Shapovalov as well as a lefty. So I don't know if he likes playing uh, that, that Southpaw style opponent. But um, yeah, I think for Shapovalov, I think in the match, he leaked 40 unforced errors, nine double faults. Um, you know, I, you do always think there's that question there of Shapovalov. Is he trying to hit a winner like every single every single point? And as a result of that, he, he just gives up too many points trying to yeah, go for glory when there maybe needs to be a little bit better point construction. It might be something for him to to think about. But um, yeah, another decent victory for Lloyd Harris. And another big server we also had going through into round four is Riley Apelka, um, who defeated Baslashvili again in straight sets, 7-6, 6-3, 6 Now, Kim, the, the big story here is not the, not the score line, but his, uh, what, his accessories that he is bringing to the court... Yes, he got fined $10,000 for bringing uh, this sort of light pink bag to the court, which I think it was to do with the the logo or the, mm. the branding it on, on it. It was on both sides. It, apparently, yeah. that I, think I was reading the... I mean, I don't know why this incurs a 10 grand fine. And for example, I mean, we had an Ikea bag and that get no fine with uh, Holger Rune. But um, yeah, I think uh, he brought a pink bag onto the court. Listeners, if you want to have a look at it, just go on to Riley Opelka's Twitter because he's, he's, not, he's not been particularly happy about uh, getting this fine. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he got a fine for bringing a bag onto court, which was not un- which was not authorised because it had two logos, I think, one on the front, one on the back. But yeah. Uh, this, I think, in the match against Baslashvili, he brought out a similar bag just that did comply. Um, so whoever makes that bag is probably absolutely loving things right now because it's getting a, it's getting a lot of attention. Yeah, they sort of shoot themselves in the foot with these rules because that actually draws more attention <laughs> and everyone's like, well, what was the bag? And then, I mean, it's something, something to the gallery. I'm trying to read on the photo, but um, that, you know, that brand or whatever it is must be like, yeah, raking it in. I mean, Kim, crucially, is it is it a fashion fave or is it a fashion faux pas for you? Oh, I don't think it really goes with his actual tennis outfit. Um, It's more of a bag that you'd like you'd be out like strolling in the park with a coffee or something like a bit of a gym I suppose it's kind of like yeah I just I don't really think it suits Pelka but hey ho um I did like his comment though about it like on Twitter <laughs> he was like oh US Open ticket sales must be struggling this year 10k for a pink bag but at least it looked fly I thought you know it's all in good jest it's probably some truth there's probably some truth in that to be fair given the fact they had no fans last season though um but yeah no I think for me I've definite fashion faux pas I'm actually I think he should be you know pretty happy to be honest with getting a, a 10k fine because it just looks shocking and he should never have he just should never have brought that onto the court is my is my personal view but <laughs> hey you know people aren't looking people won't be looking for me for, for fashion tips in the future absolutely not i mean and let's one last result joel um to finish on uh which i think is quite amusing oscar otter uh of of andy murray second round wimbledon fame he is into the fourth round uh of a grand slam for the very first time he came he came through against seppi uh he didn't need five sets he got the job done in four um seven five in the fourth set so yeah, I mean he's a qualifier. He he actually was a match point down in I think his first two qualifying matches. So he has come back from the brink to make the second week of a slam, which is amazing. Yeah, so absolute kudos to him and you know, I think that was very well deserved because 
what we saw of him at Wimbledon was fantastic. And yeah, I think it's, um, it's never too late, is it? Cause he's not, he's not a spring chicken. And, um, you know, it's sort of, I guess he, well, was he doing a bit of a Kratsev from, from Australian Open? Perhaps we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and then obviously we've had the doubles as well, um, which are kicking off and well underway. Lots of results to round up from the, the doubles as well. Most shockingly though, I, I thought this was an absolute so non result, Joel. Mektic and Pavic, at least, you know, would get to like the final. They lost in the men's doubles in the first round. Um, what, what, I don't know what was going on there, but they lost to Lamons and Withrow, um, who I think are just obviously like a, a local American pair, scratch, team. scratch yeah. pairing, um, in straight sets. Uh, and, Annoyingly, though, for Mektic and Pavic, Lamons and Withrow then went and lost comfortably to Benoit Pair and Ricardo Barankis in the next round. Kim, I'm actually more shocked that that, that happened, that Barankis and Pair somehow are in round three of the men's doubles. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that top half of the draw has completely opened up. I mean, in, in yes, you've got, uh, I think, the, you know, a pair that will be certainly very happy with that result is Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury, because they are the fourth seeds. They are still in. They've got a very tricky match, though, I think, in Bopana and Dodig, uh, the 13th seeds in round three. That could be quite tricky. But apart from that, I mean, I mean maybe Kravitz and, and Takao, Maybe it's going to be quite quite a tricky pair as well, um, but yeah, for Mektic and Pavic to go out was pretty, uh, yeah, pretty disappointing. I think from uh, you know from them, given the 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 era of dominance, I feel like they, they've cast over this season. Yeah, I mean, I was also shocked to learn that Kravitz and Mies are not playing together. Um, Mies is playing with Golibev, so interesting. Um, and we've also got Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez still going. Johnny O'Mara's playing with Qureshi. Um, they've got Granoas and Zabayos. I think Granoas and Zabayos might be, might be on for the, uh, the title actually. Um, I'd like to see them get a slam because they came really close at Wimbledon. Um, but in the women's doubles as well, we had, uh, Krichikova and Sinyakova out. So, um, you know, also you would have expected that they would have been right up there, but, um, not to be. So, Maybe Krishikova, as a result, will be, you know, doing through. Maybe, maybe she'll. Maybe she's thinking. Okay, actually, you know, singles. Let's let's focus on that. What I learned from the the women's doubles draw, I did not know this. There is there are two a Rodionovas. There are there are two sisters, Arena and and yeah. I don't know what the other a is. Oh, (laughs) Anastasia. No, yeah, maybe Arena and. Oh, let me see. It is Anastasia. Yes. Okay. Well, they are into round three. I mean, it completely confused me. I know we have like Carolina and Christina Pushkova, but I had no idea we had two A Rodionovas, which I feel is quite a <laughs> quite a rarity. But it's great to see them. Uh, they're in round three. Goff and McNally as well uh, are in round three. Um, interestingly, the top seeds uh, Mertens and Suwe Shea are there. Um, they are up against Greet Minen and Alison van Utvank, uh, an all Belgian pairing. But Mertens, uh, slight interesting well interestingly obviously still in the singles she is uh going to be playing sabalenka her other sort of on off uh women's doubles partner um who they had a bit of well quite a bit of success you know last season and, and the season before so um yeah maybe maybe mertens is on you know maybe mertens is on to do double who knows um but yeah you probably think that she's probably got a bit bit more of a chance maybe in the, the women's doubles yeah i mean the mixed doubles though um I think we're in good good chance for a British champion, perhaps, because Joe Salisbury is back with Desiree Korczyk. Mm, yeah. um, they're still in it. So is Neil Skupski, who's with Alexa Garacci. So they annoyingly would have to face off in the semifinals if they get through their quarters. But, um, I mean, Desiree Korczyk will be going for three slams in a row, won't she? So she um, is the the mixed woman of the season, I think, as it stands. <laughs> but yeah, still still a long way to go, but hopefully we'll have some British success there. Um, and then the last thing to round up on, really, Joel, is our collector set because um, we're about halfway through and Kachanov's gone, Rublev's gone. Everyone else is currently still in. Uh, that may change with Kerber, perhaps. Um, You're hoping it changes with Kerber. 
Well, I may have picked Kerber for round four. Um, <laughs> so if she does lose, it would mean I get a second one correct, uh, which is, I don't think happened. I don't think I've had two correct in collector set like forever. <laughs> So yeah, I got Rublev right. Yes. Um, and yeah, so I mean, at the moment, there's no clear, there's no clear winners. A couple of people on, on one, one correct answer, but long way to go. I'll post something on our Twitter shortly. It's very low scoring, isn't it? After, after week one. So it feels, it still feels very, very open. And, and dare I say, maybe Kim, you, could maybe get a mug that you already have <laughs> you definitely could you're definitely in the with a shout i am definitely not in with a shout because catch it off rublev kerber i got all three of those wrong um i said kerber would go out in round three which obviously didn't happen so uh yeah i think i may be on for the the wooden spoon we shall see. Watch this space. Um, but yeah, that kind of brings us to a close for today. Uh, we'll actually be back tomorrow, I think, won't we, Joel? Um, we've had to just for various things had to sort of combine uh, a bit of round three and round four in this catch up. But um, we hope everyone's enjoyed keeping up to date. Uh, Angelique Kerber's just taken to the court. So I'm going to go and watch a bit of her against Fernandez. I know, very exciting stuff. We also have the night session as well. Tiafo versus Oje Aliasim first up on Ash. Krejcikova versus Muguruza follows that. Kim, I'm putting you on the spot. What are your, what are your predictions for the night session? Oh, um, Tiafo in four sets and oh, Krejcikova in three. Oh, okay. What about you? Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Tiafo. TFO in five, Muguruza in two. I think Muguruza is going to shock, shock the world, shock Krachikova, and it's going to come through <laughs> that. But uh, we'll, but we'll, we'll soon find out. And listeners, we will be back. Uh, we will be back uh, Monday evening UK time to uh, to look back on those uh, those snap predictions with probably laughter in my case, uh, or, or gloating maybe. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and find out. But uh, I hope you've listened. Sorry, I hope you have enjoyed listening to this round three, round by round catch up with the passing shot. Remember, if you want to stay up to date on all the action from the US Open in week two, then make sure to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you want to show your support for the show, then why not leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts? And you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Tell all your friends about us who uh, maybe follow the tennis but don't follow us. And you can also get in contact with us via email as well as social media. Our email is PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website as well, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back tomorrow, Monday evening, UK time at Passing Shot HQ to look back on all the action from round four as part of our round by round coverage of the US Open. So I hope you can join us for that and we will see you again soon. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.